نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله Really the praise belongs to Allah we praise him seek his assistance and forgiveness and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds Whoever Allah guides there's no one that can lead him astray and whoever Allah leads astray there's no one that can guide him I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshiped except Allah alone and he has no partners or associates and i bear witness that muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam is his slave servant and his messenger i'd like to begin this evening as we continue in this series of lectures concerning mustalah hadith or ulum al-hadith from the book al-ma'rifa fi ulum al-hadith li shaykh suhail hasan abdul ghafar hafizahullah may allah protect and preserve him uh, as we continue in a discussion from this book an introduction to the science of hadith i'd like to just quickly review some of the notes from the previous lecture from lecture number 4 in which uh the sheikh discussed one of the sciences of ulum al-hadith that is the science related to the biographies of the narrators of hadith alaykum salam ilm ar-rijal ar-rijal al-hadith And we said that Ilm al-Rijal deals with the examination, inspection, and scrutinizing of the biographies of the reporters or narrators of hadith for authenticating, that is, favorable remarks, which is called ta'adil, ta'adil, or disparaging or unfavorable remarks, which is called jarh, yani the two types of remarks that we are looking for, those which are favorable, are called ta'adil and those which are unfavorable are called jarh and some of the scholars also referred to this science or this knowledge as the knowledge of al-jarh wa ta'adil the ilm al-jarh wa ta'adil deals with the science which explains and clarifies how to determine the reliability of a reporter or a narrator of the hadith based on those remarks which have been made by the scholars either favorable or unfavorable and these remarks relate primarily to two things the character of the reporter which is called adala and the accuracy in what he in his his reporting how accurate was he in reporting and this is called bab dhabt and adala are the two primary matters about which favorable or unfavorable remarks are made in the biographies of the narrators of hadith and through these remarks we are able to determine the reliability and acceptability of the narrator and what he has reported or the opposite of it and then the sheikh mentioned a number of different types of remarks and we listed some of them in order example of such remarks in descending order of authentication and in the right hand column the grade of the hadith of such a reporter for example imam or hafiz the hadith that is reported through a chain of narrators containing people who are described as imam or hafiz 
would be considered sahih or authentic if all of the other factors are present such as there's a complete chain of narrators and consisting of these people and there's no hidden defects or contradiction of more reliable reporters and we said that uh, or I don't know if we mentioned before that the conditions for a sahih hadith are five conditions for hadith sahih are five I know we discussed it in some detail in the explanation of Usul Sunnah by Imam Ahmed some time ago but in any case uh, the such remarks if they are, if a narrator is described with such remarks as theft or thiqa reliable and trustworthy also the hadith of such reporters is considered to be sahih and yukhti makes mistakes their hadith will be considered da'if or if it's supported by the narration hasan لغيره يعني it is considered to be hasan or good due to other reports لغيره those other supporting reports and likewise da'if if a narrator is, is described as da'if then his hadith is also called a da'if hadith a weak or rejected hadith and so on matruq which the hadith of a person who is described as matruq abandoned by the scholars of hadith his hadith would be da'if jiddan yani very very weak and it couldn't be supported by other narrations even if other narrations come supporting it we wouldn't accept the hadith of such a person described in this way and the worst kind of description is kezzab or liar a person who is known to lie or to fabricate hadith against the prophet sallallahu and his hadith are known as mawdu'a or fabricated and we said that in case of conflicting remarks from the same scholar or two or more different scholars all of those remarks or comments have to be considered carefully in order to determine the credibility or the lack of it for any particular narrator and there are a number of factors that we discussed here which is in the handout we also talked about the scholars who made critical comments of the narrator that they are classified into three general categories al-muta'annit, mutathabbit, extremely critical or strict mu'atadil or munsif, balanced and fair and mutasahil, lenient and easygoing and these three categories are important because when we know that a scholar who criticizes narrators is from the first group muta'annit or mutasabbit then it makes us it, it is a factor, a great factor of importance when there's difference between what has been said by various scholars if one of them for example is muta'annit very extremely critical and another one was a mu'atadil or balanced or fair criticizer then we would lean towards taking the view of the one who was mu'atadil, balanced as opposed to the one who was extremely critical and so on uh, and then we mentioned some of the scholars from each of these groups the first group, the second group and the third group some of the great scholars of hadith and these names perhaps many of them may not be familiar to us but inshallah as we go on with the study of hadith and in the future in reading books of hadith and the comments of the scholars concerning the authenticity of hadith you will see these names again and again and again because these names are the names of the very important well-known uh, scholars of hadith then we said as a general rule the jamhur or majority of scholars give precedence to the unfavorable remarks jarh if accompanied by explanation or clarification yani mufassir of the critical evaluation of a narrator yani if there are contradicting remarks one favorable and one unfavorable the unfavorable remark if it is explained why this 
this remark is made, then it's given precedence. And we would take the unfavorable remark, uh, critical against that reporter and reject his narration. As long as the one who made an unfavorable remark clarifies why he said it. Not just say this person is weak, but he said he's weak because, because he used to make a lot of mistakes or because if he explains why, the, and the other one just says that he's an acceptable reporter, then the one who made unfavorable remarks, his comments are preferable, as long as he explains why. But if one person makes critical unfavorable remarks, and the other one makes favorable remarks, and the one who made unfavorable, unfavorable remarks doesn't explain why, he doesn't give any justification for why he made unfavorable remarks, in that case, then the favorable remarks would be given precedence. And it is a just some, yeah, a glimpse of some idea about the science of, of Elm of Rijal and the biographies of narrators. And then we mentioned some of the important books of the biographies of narrators, particularly the first group of books are those books which are related to books which contain the biographies of all of the narrators in the chains of narration from the main six books, Al-Bukhari and Muslim, Abu Dawood, Al-Tirmidhi, Ibn Imadi, and Nasai. All of the above books are exclusive to the narrators of the six famous books. And all of these books which are mentioned here are very well known and famous, reliable books explaining and detailing the biographies of the narrators and classifying them according to their acceptability or lack of it. Other more general books are also mentioned and beside the book it's mentioned what these books deal with. For example, At-Tariq, Tariq al-Bukhari deals with weak as well as reliable reporters. And it has a combination of those narrators or reporters who are considered to be weak as well as those which are considered to be reliable. And likewise, Al-Jahwa Sa'adil by Ibn Abi Hatim deals with weak as well as reliable reporters. Al-Mizan <coughs> al-Itidal by Al-Zahabi also deals with weak and strong reporters. And likewise, Lisan al-Mizan al-Hafiz ibn Hajj al-Asqalani. The next two books, Kitab al-Thiqat by Ibn Hibban al-Ijli, deal with only reliable reporters. Al-Thiqat, it deals with the reporters who are considered to be good, acceptable, and reliable reporters. So if we look in there and find somebody's name, in general, it's considered to be an acceptable reporter. Although, yani, this whole discussion you know, requires some more details which we don't have the time to go into right now. But in general, we can say that these two books, and there are many others like them, which only deal with what is considered to be reliable reporters. Likewise, the third group of books, Kitab al-Du'afa al-Matrufin by Imam al-Nasai, and Kitab al-Majruheen by Ibn Hibban, and Al-Kamal al-Du'afa by Ibn Adi, all of these books deal with weak or rejected reporters. Yani, if you find somebody's name in one of these books, it means that he is considered to be a weak reporter, unacceptable reporter, a rejected reporter, and so on. And this is a general comment. Yani, there are some books which only deal with weak, weak reporters, there are some which only deal with reliable reporters, and there are some which combine the two, which is the first group which we mentioned. Then <coughs> we talked about, finally, the classification of hadith with reference to a particular authority. Yani, who the hadith is reported from, who is the one who made the statement, or who the action is ascribed to. And we mentioned three categories, marfu'un, mawqufun, and maktu'a. And we said that marfu'un, linguistically, it means raised up or elevated, and technically it means that which has been ascribed or attributed to the Prophet We say hadith is marfu'un, it means that that statement or action or whatever has been ascribed or attributed to the Prophet 
uh, unlike al-mawquf, if we say that a statement is mawquf, it means that it's not attributed to the Prophet ﷺ, but it's attributed to a sahabi, a companion of the Prophet ﷺ. Mawquf, linguistically it means stopped or suspended. Yani it stopped before reaching the Prophet ﷺ, it stopped at a sahabi who is the one who made the statement. Technically, mawquf means that which has been ascribed or attributed to a sahaba, to the sahaba, yani to the companion. It may also be used to refer to those after the sahaba, such as tabi'een, if, if restricted by such saying as mawquf al-zuhri. And it means that <coughs> even though al-zuhri wasn't a sahabi, but if we say, if we use the term mawquf, which normally refers to a sahabi, if we use it for other than a sahabi, we have to mention it's mawquf from who? Because those who are not sahabis, if we don't make it clear by mentioning their name, it will be assumed that it's a statement of a sahabi. So if it's a person who's not a sahabi, and we use the term mawkuf, we have to say mawkuf of who? From amongst tabi'in or others. Some types of narrations appear to be mawkuf, while in fact they take the ruling of marfu'ah. <coughs> and some types of narrations appear to be mawkuf because it is a sahabi who made the statement. But even though it appears on the surface to be mawkuf, it is it takes on the ruling of marfu'an, raised up to the Prophet, for various reasons. And examples of this is the saying of a sahabi who is not known for report, reporting from Ahl Kitab. He makes a statement about matters of the past or future which is not possible to derive, be derived from ijtihad, deduction from legal sources. Yani if a sahabi makes a statement about things of the future. How can he know the future? Or things of the past that he couldn't have known. Then we give that statement the ruling of marfu'an. Yani it means that we consider it to have been reported from the Prophet ﷺ, though he doesn't say the Prophet ﷺ said. Though he says it as though it's his statement, it would be given the ruling of being marfu'an if it is such a statement the nature of it is such that a person couldn't know just by ijtihad. It had to have come from revelation. That means it had to come from the Prophet ﷺ. With the condition that that Sahabi was not of those Sahaba who were known to narrate statements from the Ahl Kitab. Yani there are some Sahaba who used to narrate statements from the Christians and Jews. So he may have heard something about past events of the previous nations or something about the future that the Ahl Kitab came to know about through their Prophets. So if a Sahabi was known to narrate from Ahl Kitab, then his statements of this nature about past or future events are not automatically considered to be marfu'an. Because even though it's something that he couldn't know by ijtihad, he could have known it from the Ahl Kitab. So this is a condition that a statement of Sahabi, in order for it to be considered as marfu'an, attributed to the Prophet he should not be from amongst those Sahaba who were known to narrate from Ahl Kitab. And these narrations are called Israeliyat. Israeliyat. Yani reports or narrations from Ahl Kitab. The second type of statement that will be considered marfu'an, yani the hukum or ruling of it is marfu'an, though it appears to be a statement of Sahaba, is such a statement as a companion saying, we used to do so and so in the time of the Prophet. And if they used to do it in his presence, it means that he came to know about it and allowed it. So it is considered marfu'an. And likewise, if they said, we were commanded to such and such, or to do such and such, or we were forbidden from such and such, 
uh, or such and such is from the Sunnah. And finally, another example of this is the tafsir of the Qur'an from a Sahabi concerning Asbab al-Nuzul, the circumstance, the reasons for the revelation of a particular verse of the Qur'an. And if a Sahabi mentions a statement or an explanation of the Qur'an related to the reasons or the circumstances about which something was revealed from the Qur'an, this is also considered of those statements which appear to be mawquf, but in fact take on the ruling or the hukum of marfu. Uh, the last category we mentioned last week was maktu'ah. Maktu'ah linguistically means severed or cut off from the verb qata'ah, Maktu'ah means that which is cut off or severed, and technically it means that which has been ascribed or attributed to the tabi'een or those who came after them. Yani the third uh, or the, the next generation, the tabi'een and the generation who came after them, such statements attributed to them are referred to as maktu'ah. So that which is attributed to the Prophet is marfu'an, and that which is attributed to sahaba, his companions, is mawkufun, and those who came after them, the tabi'een, and the next generations, is referred to as maktu'ah. All of these three categories are related to an indication of who the report is attributed to, who said it, or who did such an action. It's related to the text, the metin, not related to the isnad. This is not dealing with the isnad if the isnad is complete or incomplete or otherwise. It's only dealing with who is the person who the metin has been attributed to. Is it attributed to the Prophet? Is it attributed to Sahaba? Is it attributed to Tabi'i? Who is it attributed to? The metin. All of these categories deal with the metin, the text of the hadith. Who is it attributed to? It doesn't deal with the isnad. We haven't even, these have no relation to the isnad. If the isnad is complete or broken or broken in the beginning or broken in the middle or broken in the end or has more than one break in it and so on. This has no relation to that. Today we will talk about categories of hadith related to the isnad. But what we talked about last week is related to the matin, the text. So here tonight, uh, the shaykh begins to discuss about a new category the second category here in the book, according to the links in the Isnad, or classification of hadith with, with reference to the links, the links in the Isnad. The Isnad is the chain of narrators, the people who pass a statement or action or report down. The Isnad is the link or chain of narrators. And here we want to talk about the classifications of hadith with reference to the links in the Isnad. And there are two primary categories that he discussed here. The first category is what he calls Musnad. It is Hadith, wa Hadith which have complete, connected, continuous chains with no break in it. The other category are Hadith which have incomplete, non-continuous, broken chains. Okay, there are two types of Isnad or Asani. One that has a complete, connected, continuous chain, muttasal, and one that has a broken chain, non-continuous, non-continuous broken chain. And there are many types. It can be broken in the middle, broken in the end, broken in the beginning, and so on. So the first category are those hadith which have complete chains. That normally is referred to as muttasal. Muttasal, a complete chain. But here, 
the Shaykh first mentions Musnad. And Musnad, as we said before in the introductory lecture, we said that a Musnad hadith has two characteristics. It has a complete chain and it's attributed to the Prophet. So it has two characteristics. We said in the introductory lecture, a Musnad hadith has two characteristics. It has a complete chain, Muttasil, and it's also attributed to the Prophet, Marfu'an. We talked about Marfu'an last week, that which is attributed to the Prophet. So if a hadith is Marfu'an, and also has a complete continuous chain, then that is the one that's called Musnad. It has to have two characteristics. It has to be attributed to the Prophet and have a complete chain. So here the Shaykh says, Musnad. Al-Hakam defines a Musnad supported hadith as follows. Al-Hakam, one of the great scholars of hadith who wrote, who collected a book called the Mustadrak, Mustadrak al-Sahihain, which is related to the two books of Sahih al-Bukhari and Muslim. Al-Hakam, he collected, according to what he said, hadith, this is not from the book, this is just an extra comment. Al-Hakam, he collected hadith, which he said met the conditions of al-Bukhari and Muslim. He said they met the conditions of Bukhari and Muslim, but neither Bukhari or Muslim collected it in their Sahih. So he did what is called istidraq. He said these are hadith which met the condition of Bukhari and Muslim, but they didn't collect them. So I'm going to collect them. In his book called Mustadrak. Mustadrak upon or Mustadrak related to the two Sahihs, the Sahihin, al-Bukhari and Muslim. So his book supposedly contains many hadith which are equal to the hadith in Bukhari and Muslim. Dani, in principle, according to his definition. But of course, as we found after researching, many of those didn't really meet the conditions of Bukhari and Muslim. In any case, for the sake of argument, it is supposed to be a collection of hadith which meet the conditions of Bukhari and Muslim, but neither Bukhari and Muslim collected that particular hadith. So here, Al-Hakim, the author of Mustadrak, or the collector of the collection of hadith for Mustadrak, he says a Musnad hadith, it has two definitions. The first one is this one. A hadith which a traditionist, a scholar of hadith, reports from his shaykh, from whom he is known to have heard a hadith at a time of life suitable for learning. Yani, a scholar of hadith heard from his shaykh hadith. And he heard it at a time when he was old enough to understand and to accept and learn. And he heard it at a time of life suitable for learning. He didn't hear the hadith when he was a one-year-old baby. And his father brought him to the masjid and he heard hadith. He heard it, but he was a year old. That's not uh, the same. Here he is saying, a scholar who heard a hadith from his shaykh at a time of life suitable for learning. And when he was old enough to distinguish between right and wrong and understand things. Okay? If he was at that age and he heard the hadith from his shaykh, and similarly in turn for each shaykh, Yani each person, each narrator in the chain also heard the hadith from their shaykh at a time when he was old enough for learning. He was suitable with their age or a time suitable for learning. Until, yani each person likewise heard the hadith from his shaykh until the isnad reaches a well-known companion. Until it went back to one of the companions of the Prophet who in turn reports from the Prophet This means that what Al-Hakim is saying here is that a scholar of hadith, heard a hadith from his teacher. And the time he heard it, he was old enough to accept hadith. He was old enough to know right from wrong and distinguish for learning. He heard it from his shaykh, and likewise his shaykh heard it from his own shaykh, his teacher, who heard it from his teacher, who heard it from his teacher, until it reached a, a sahabi, who heard it from the Prophet 
So what does this definition include? It includes two things. A complete chain, because everyone heard it from his teacher. A complete, continuous chain, and also it's attributed to the Prophet These are the two characteristics of a Muslim hadith. Ittisal, complete chain, and marfu'an, attributed to the Prophet So his definition here, though it may seem a little complex, it only has two points that you have to know. A Muslim hadith has to have a complete chain, and it has to be a statement or action or something attributed to the Prophet Therefore, if a hadith has a complete chain, but it's attributed to a sahabi, not called musnad. It's not called musnad. Okay? It will be called mawkuf. It's muttasal, complete, continuous chain, but not musnad, because musnad has to be attributed to the Prophet Likewise, if a hadith is marfu'an, attributed to the Prophet but it does not have a complete chain, it's not musnad. If it doesn't have a complete chain. So if either one of these is missing, it's not Musnad. Musnad has to fulfill two conditions, complete chain and attributed to the Prophet And here the Shaykh says this very thing, by this definition, any ordinary muttasal hadith, that is, one with an uninterrupted isnad, a complete continuous isnad, any muttasal hadith is excluded from the definition of Musnad if it goes back only to a companion or successor or anyone other than the Prophet And likewise, a marfu hadith, which has an, in, an, an in, interrupted isnad, marfu is attributed to the Prophet, but it has an interrupted isnad, an incomplete or non-continuous isnad, it's also excluded from the definition of musnad. And if either one of the conditions are missing, it's not musnad. I hope it's clear. Al-Hakim gives the following example of a Musnad hadith. He says, Al-Hakim, in his book Al-Mustadrak, we reported from Abu Amr, Uthman ibn Ahmed. Okay, Hakim reported from ibn Ahmed. Al-Sammak. Al-Hakim reported from Al-Sammak, Al-Baghdadi. That's his complete name. Abu Amr, Uthman ibn Ahmed, Al-Sammak, Al-Baghdadi. Then you see two unbroken lines. That means that he reported the hadith from his Shaykh Al-Hasan Ibn Al-Mukarram by the expressions that we talked about before that are considered to be a strong way of narrating Akhbarani, Aw Haddathani, or Sami'atu We said in the introduction to the book anytime he gives an example and it has two unbroken lines it means that the person reported it from their Shaykh with a good in a good manner of reporting that manner of reporting which has an unbroken line it refers to one of three things Akhbarani or or it means that he heard it directly from his sheikh or someone was reading it to the sheikh in the sheikh's presence and he heard it while the person was reading it to the sheikh or if he says it means he heard it directly all of these type of expressions means he heard it directly from his sheikh there's no doubt about it there's no doubt about it like the expression an if he says an we are not sure it means reported from or on the authority of but it's not clear he heard it from his sheikh or he heard it from somebody else who heard it from that sheikh. If he heard it from another person who heard it from the sheikh, and he says an, it's true, it's really from that sheikh. But by using the word an, we are not sure. Did he hear it from an intermediary person from the sheikh who heard it from the sheikh, or did he hear it directly from the sheikh? So whenever somebody says an, we have to pay attention to this. Especially if he is known for sometimes reporting hadith and deleting the name of his teacher 
and going directly to his teacher's teacher, mudallis. If a person is like that, which we will talk about later on, and he uses the word an, then his hadith is very questionable. Otherwise, if he's not from those people who used to delete their sheikh and go to their sheikh's sheikh, then even if he used an, it's no problem. But when they say these terms like haddathani or akhbarani or samatu, even if he was one of those people who used to delete his sheikh's name, no problem. Because when he used such an expression, we know that he heard it directly from the person who he claims to hear it from. Anyway, we will talk about this when we reach uh, that point later on. So here Al-Hakim mentions this hadith, who he heard from? Al-Sammak al-Baghdadi, who heard it from? Al-Hasan ibn al-Mukarram, who heard it from Uthman ibn Amr, who heard it from Yunus, the fifth narrator in this net, who heard it from Al-Zuhri. But here you see the line is a single broken line. That means he used the term like An. So here, at this point in the Isnad, we have to examine. Yunus, was he one of those people who used to delete his shaykh or not? If he wasn't, no problem. If he was, then we have to examine it more carefully. So Yunus heard it from Al-Zuhri, who also used an expression like An. You see it's a single unbroken line from Abdullah ibn Ka'b ibn Malik. Abdullah was one of the sons of the Sahabi Ka'b ibn Malik who heard it from his father Ka'b ibn Malik radiallahu anhu who asked Ibn Abi Hadrad for payment of a debt he owed to him while in the masjid. During the ensuing argument their voices were raised until heard by the Messenger of Allah sallallahu who eventually lifted the curtain and said, O Ka'b, write off a part of your debt. He meant remission of half of it. Yani write off half of the debt. So Ka'b radiallahu anhu agreed and the man paid him. Uh, Al-Hakim gave this as an example of a Musnad hadith. Why? Because every one of the narrators in the chain of narration, every one of them was known to have heard hadith directly from his shaykh. So it has a complete, continuous, unbroken chain and at the end of it there is a statement of the Prophet attributed to the Prophet. So it's mutpasal, complete chain, and it's marfoon, attributed to the Prophet Therefore, this is an example of a musnad hadith. Two characteristics. Al-Hakam, rahimahullah, then remarks. He says, my hearing from Ibn As-Simak is well known. And it's well known that he heard hadith from his shaykh, As-Simak, al-Baghdadi. Ibn al-Mukarram. Al-Simak also, it is well known that he heard hadith from his shaykh, who is in this ismad after him, Ibn al-Mukarram. Al-Hasan's link with Uthman ibn Amr and the latter with Yunus ibn Zayd are well known as well. Yani, it is also well known that they heard hadith from the shaykh in the ismad, the person who came after them in the ismad. Yunus is always remembered or mentioned with Al-Zuhri, yani as being one of the narrators or students of Al-Zuhri. And the latter, meaning Al-Zuhri, is also mentioned as being one of the reporters from the sons of Ka'b ibn Malik. And the sons of Ka'b ibn Malik also, their link to their father and his, Ka'b ibn Malik's companionship to the Prophet are well established. So here Al-Hakim is saying that every one of these people in the chain, in the Isnad, every one of them is known to have heard hadith from the person who they claim to have reported it from. So this means, this is, yani, this is the explanation of the first definition of Muslim hadith refers to that report which has a complete, continuous, unbroken chain 
And it is at the end, there's a statement or an action which is attributed to the Prophet There's another definition of Musnad which is also very common. And we mentioned it in the introduction, in the first introductory preliminary definitions. It is, Musnad is also applied. The term Musnad is also applied to those collections of hadith. Yani those books of hadith where there are collections which give the hadith of each companion separately. Yani a collection of hadith like the Musnad of Imam Ahmed. Or the, uh, here he mentions the Musnad of Musarhad, uh, Musaddad ibn Musarhad. These collections of hadith are not like, for example, the Sunan of Abu Dawud. If you look at the Sunan of Abu Dawud, you look in the first chapter, you will see hadith related to Tahara. After that, you will see hadith related to Salat, hadith related to Siyam. Okay, all of them are related to a topic. But here in the Musnad, hadith are not collected according to topic. They are collected according to the reported from the Prophet ﷺ. Yani all the hadith that Abu Hurairah reported, they collected them in a book. Yani in, in a, in a, under one section, hadith of Abu Hurairah. After that, hadith of Anas ibn Malik. For example, after that, hadith of Aisha radiallahu anha. In that book, hadith of Abu Hurairah, there's hadith of Salat, hadith of Siyam, hadith of everything, all mixed together. Not according to topics. The only thing that identifies it uh, as being collected under a particular chapter is the Sahabi who heard it from the Prophet So all the hadith of Abu Hurairah are collected in one chapter as hadith of Abu Hurairah. When we, any collection of hadith which classifies the hadith according to the Sahabi who heard it, that is called a Musnad. It is a book called Musnad. Musnad meaning that the hadith in it are collected according to the Isnad. According to the Isnad, based on the Sahabi who heard it from the Prophet So there are two definitions here. The one that we are primarily concerned with is the first one. The first one, a hadith which has a complete change and it is attributed to the Prophet Otherwise, this second definition is also applicable and sometimes you will see some reference to books called the Musnad and in that case they mean a book, the hadith of it are considered sub-chapters according to the Sahabi. Amongst the early compilers of such a Musnad were Yahya ibn Abdul Hamid al-Hammani Hilmani, who died in the year 228 yani in the beginning of the 3rd century of the Hijrah at Kufa and Musaddad ibn Musarhad who died in the year also 228 at Basra yani in the early generation in that time it was common for the hadith to be collected according to Sahaba and later on, in the time of Bukhari, the scholars began to collect hadith according to authenticity. And also, at one stage, they, used, they began to collect hadith according to topics. And you'll see most of the books, other than Bukhari, uh, even including Bukhari Muslim, like the Sunan of Abu Dawud and Tirmidhi and Imaj and Nasai, they are collected according to topics, according to rulings, ahkam, according to things related to ibadah, or marriage and divorce, buying and selling, and so on. The largest existing collection of hadith of companions arranged in this manner is that of Imam Ahmad ibn Hanban, who died in the year 241. And not long after, the first two scholars mentioned. And it contains about or around 30,000 hadith. Some of the scholars said 40,000. Uh, because of the way the hadith are arranged, it's difficult to determine the exact number of the hadith because some of them are repeated. And some of the hadith are hadith from... Abu Hurairah, which also narrated from Aisha and so on. Like, so. 
Another larger work is attributed to the famous Andalusian traditionist scholar of Hadith, Baqiyya ibn Makhlad al-Qurtubi, died in the year 276, not long after, and Imam Ahmed, rahimahumullah, but unfortunately it is now untraceable. Yani it has been lost. That Musnad is, it has not been found. But it may still be existing because many of the books, some of them were destroyed and some of them were lost during the times of yani, the overcome of some of the Muslim empires, especially in Andalus, when the Christians from Europe conquered Andalus and took control of the Muslim lands. They also stole and destroyed many of the tremendous great libraries in Al-Andalus. Yani some of the biggest libraries existing in the world were in that part of Spain, in southern Europe, which was controlled by the Muslims for a long period of time, known as Al-Andalus. Okay, the next uh, topic that the Sheikh deals with related to Hadith, classification of Hadith according to the chains of narratives or the links or the Isnad or Asanid, Asanid is the plural of Isnad, are those hadith which have broken chains. So far we talked about Musnad, which are hadith which have complete, continuous, unbroken chains. And we said that a Musnad hadith is a hadith that's muttasal, a complete chain, and marfoon attributed to the Prophet Now we want to talk about some of the classifications of hadith which have broken chains, uncontinuous, non-continuous, unconnected chains. And actually, these types of hadith are of two types. Those who have a break in the chain which is obvious, which is obvious, and it is noticeable by anyone, and those which have a break in the chain which are hidden, which are difficult to detect. Only to talk about those which have breaks which are noticeable. And later in another chapter, we will talk about those which have breaks in the chain which are difficult to detect, which are not noticeable, which are not obvious. And that will come under the title of Mudallas and al-Mursal al-Khafi. These are two other types of hadith related to the Isnad that has a break in the chain, but those breaks are not easily detectable. So we won't deal with them tonight. The Shaykh here only deals with those breaks in the chain which are detectable or noticeable easily. And he mentions four categories here. Mursal, Munqati'ah, Mu'adal, and Mu'allaq. These categories relate either to the number of breaks in the chain being one, or two or more, or they relate to the place where the break is found. Okay, this is not, this, I am just saying this, don't look on the paper for it, you will not find it on the paper now. But we will read, inshallah, from here. I am just trying to make it, can I give you a summary of the topic so you have an idea in your mind what we are talking about. We are talking about hadith, the break may be in the beginning of the isnad, like from the person who collected it, like Al-Bukhari. He narrated from, from his shaykh, who narrated from his shaykh, who narrated from his shaykh, from the Sahabi, from the Prophet it, it may be in the beginning from Bukhari, or it may be in the end, after the Tabi'i, who didn't mention the Sahabi who he narrated from, or it may be in the middle, not in the beginning or the men, in the end, but somewhere in the middle, other than in the beginning or the end. It may have only one break, it may have more than one break, it may have two consecutive breaks, and so on. Yani depending on whether it has only one break, or it has two or more consecutive breaks, or it's in the beginning or the middle or the end, the scholars gave different names accordingly. That's what he's going to talk about here. Okay? The first thing he says, if the link 
between the successor. And successor he means tabi, the students of Sahaba. He means tabi. If the link between the successor and the Prophet is missing, the hadith is mursal. For example, when his successor says, the Prophet said, and if a successor, successor means a student of Sahaba, he didn't meet the Prophet. If he says, like uh, Sa'id ibn Musayyid, he is a great scholar from the Tabi'een. If he said, Qala Rasulullah how can he say so? He didn't meet the Prophet, he never heard anything from the Prophet. So that means there's a break here. There's something missing in the chain of narratives. He doesn't mention who he heard it from. It may be a Sahabi. If it is a Sahabi, no problem. But it's possible that a Tabi might have heard hadith from another Tabi who heard it from Sahabi, who heard it from the Prophet. So the Mursal hadith, it has two possibilities. Either the Tabi dropped or deleted the Sahabi, one person who he heard it from, in which case there's no problem if we can determine that. Or it may have two missing links. Another Tabi who he heard it from, who heard it from a Sahabi. This is where the problem comes in. If it is two people missing, a Tabi and a Sahabi, it is a problem. Because the Tabi may be a reliable reporter, or he may be an unreliable reporter. If he's reliable, okay, no problem. If he's unreliable, the Hadith would be rejected. So, because we don't know, is there only one person who is Sahabi missing? Or is there two? For that reason, we need investigation. The Sahabi are all acceptable. Trustworthy, reliable narratives. If a Sahabi is missing, no problem. If we know it is Sahabi who has been deleted, no problem. The hadith will be accepted. But when we don't know, that's when we have the problem. That's what the Mursal hadith, that's the problem with the Mursal hadith. Because a Sahabi, a Tabi says, the Prophet ﷺ said, and we don't know who he deleted between him and the Prophet ﷺ. So he says, however, if a link anywhere, yani this is a mursal hadith, the hadith where the break is at the end of the isnad from the tabi'i, at the end of the isnad from the tabi'i before the Prophet ﷺ. This is the end of the isnad. If the break is there, that's a mursal hadith. However, if a link anywhere before the successor, before the tabi'i, that is, a break closer to the traditionists recording the hadith, yani a break from the, nearer to the beginning, nearer to Al-Bukhari or Muslim or Abu Dawood. If the break is from that side, from the beginning, and not from the end, if the break is there, the hadith is munqati'ah, broken. If it's from the end, from the tabi, it's mursal. But if it's from the other side, anywhere from the beginning of the hadith, closer to the scholar who reported it in the books, this one is called munqati'ah. And munqati'ah actually is also divided into different types. So here he says, this applies even if there is an apparent link. For example, an isnad seems to be muttaqal, continuous, unbroken. It seems to be. But one of the reporters is known to have never heard a hadith from his immediate authority. Yani if the isnad looks to be continuous, but we came to know that one of the reporters never heard hadith from the person who he claimed to hear it from. If we came to know that, and we know there's someone missing. He heard it from somebody else or heard it from that shaykh. So if we came to know that, then this hadith, though it appears to be continuous, it would be classified under munqati'ah. This discussion 
of the hadith that appears to be continuous, but we came to know that one of the reporters didn't hear hadith from the Shaykh who he claimed to hear it from, will come later under those isnad which have breaks in the chain which are not apparent, mudallas or al-mursal al-khafi. We will talk about them later. He just alludes to it here. Those hadith which appear to be continuous, but one of the reporters is known to have never heard a hadith from his immediate authority, even though he may be his contemporary. And he lived in the same time as the Shaykh who he said he heard it from, but we know from the scholars who wrote the biographies that he never heard hadith from that Shaykh. He lived in the same time, but he didn't hear hadith from him. Normally if somebody lives in the same time, we would assume that they must have heard it from the person they reported it from. But sometimes by examining the biographies, we came to know that a particular scholar never heard hadith from a certain scholar. Therefore, even though he lived in the same time, after examination we will come to find that there is a break in the chain. And that is another category that we will talk about later on, Mudallas or Mursal Khafi. Then he says, the term Munqati'ah, which means a broken chain, is also applied by some scholars to a narration, such as where a reporter says, a man narrated to me, without naming his authority. A man narrated to me. It means that the person we heard it from is Majhul. We don't know who he is. Okay? We don't know who he is. In that case, also, he said, Munqati'ah, the term Munqati'ah can be applied here. Because it's just as though somebody is deleted from the Isnaq. Since we don't know who he is, it's just like we don't know him. It's just like there's no one there. Because in order for us to benefit from the chain being complete, the benefit is that we can look at every person to see if he's reliable or unreliable. But when there's a complete chain, but one of the people is Majhu, unknown, he didn't give us his name, then it is under the same category of a broken chain. Because we can't determine if he's reliable or not without knowing his name. So anybody who says a man, or a person, or a sheikh, or a scholar, or any kind of term like that without telling us who he's talking about, then this is also coming under the category of broken or munqati'ah. But the subject of majhul, uh, also we will talk about later on. Tonight we're only talking about these four categories, mursal, munqati'ah, mu'adal, and mu'allaq. So what did we say so far about munqati'ah? Munqati'ah, it means an isnaq, or a chain of narrators. This is the break at the end, at the point of tabi'i. So munqati'ah means a break somewhere else, not at the end, okay? It just means it has a break in the chain of narrators. Also, on the handout, don't look at it now and get sidetracked from what I'm saying. But on the handout, I gave you all the definitions of the terms that we're going to discuss tonight. Musnad is there, Munqati'ah is there, Mursal is there, Mu'allaq is there, Munqati'ah, all of them are explained. The technical, the linguistic as well as the technical definition of each of these terms is on the handout. Okay? The next uh, hadith he mentions is Mu'adal, or the next type of hadith is Mu'adal. If the number of consecutive missing reports in the Isnad exceeds one, and if it's more than one consecutive missing link, if it's more than one consecutive missing link, and if two or more, the isnad is mu'adal, which he calls perplexing. It means that it is weakened. Literally means weakened. And it's a very weak hadith. Why? Because not only it has a break, it has two consecutive breaks. Consecutive. A mu'adal hadith 
has two consecutive. If it ha if a isnad has two breaks, two missing links, but not consecutive, one at one place and another one after some narrators later down the line, that's not mu'adal. That would be munqatiya. But mu'adal has to be two, at least two consecutive missing links. So this is the third category of broken uh, chains. It is mu'adal. He says, if a reporter, okay, that's mu'adal. He's finished with mu'adal. In Mu'adal Hadith, it means a Hadith which has two breaks, but they have to be consecutive, one after another. For example, if a, if a uh, scholar narrates a Hadith from his Shaykh, from his Shaykh's Shaykh, and then he drops one narrator, and then immediately after drops the next narrator, and then reports the third one after that, and the fourth one to the Sahabi and the Prophet ﷺ, two consecutive breaks, and this is what is called Mu'adal. The next category, he said, if a reporter, the next category is mu'allaq. If a reporter omits the whole isnad and quotes the Prophet ﷺ directly, that is, the link is missing at the beginning, unlike the case of a mursal isnad. The hadith is called mu'allaq, hanging. Let us stop here and try to clarify what he is saying here. Yani, a mu'allaq hadith the break is from the beginning of the isnad, from the scholar who collected in the book, like from Bukhari, not from the end, from the tabi, but from the beginning, from the scholar who collected it. This is mu'allaq. It means that the shaykh who reported in his book, like al-Bukhari or Abu Da'ud or al-Tirmidhi, he drops or deletes one or more links from the chain directly after him, like al-Bukhari, he doesn't mention his shaykh. And then he mentions the rest of the chain. Or he doesn't mention his shaykh and his shaykh's shaykh. And then he mentions the rest of the chain to the tabi and sahabi and prophet Or if he doesn't mention anybody in the whole chain until the prophet and just says, Qala Rasulullah As long as the break starts from the beginning of the chain, from the person who collected in the book. As long as it starts there, if he deletes one link, or two, or three, or four, or all of them, all of this is mu'allaq. Mu'allaq means it is hanging or suspended. Suspended from the upper position, from the Prophet Yani from that direction. It's not collect, connected from the Prophet Sahabi Tabi'i back to the one like Al-Bukhari who collected in his book. It's hanging on a chain that's incomplete. The whole chain other than the Prophet may be missing or part of it may be missing. But the important thing, the break is from lower, from the lower position, from the beginning of the Isnad going towards the Prophet So whenever a reporter omits the whole Isnad or part of it, he says the whole of the Isnad, but the examples of Mu'allaq may mean he quoted directly from the Prophet or he quoted from a Sahabi who quoted from the Prophet or he quoted from a Tabi who quoted from a Sahabi who quoted from the Prophet but the important thing is that there is at least one missing link or more from the direction from the beginning of the Isnad. Okay, this is the important thing. That Mu'allaq, it has to have at least one missing link or the whole chain may be missing but from the direction of the beginning of the chain, from the direction of the scholar who collected it in the book. Another name that's used sometimes for mu'allaq, he said sometimes it is known as 
Balaga, to reach. For example, Al-Imam Malik rahimahullah, sometimes says in his collection of hadith Al-Muwatta, he sometimes says, Balagani, yani it reached me, that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, without mentioning the Isnad. Okay, Imam Malik who is the collector of hadith in the book, Muwatta, he doesn't mention his shaykh or his shaykh's shaykh. But he just says, Balagani, it reached me. And it was reported to me, but he doesn't mention who reported it to him. He goes directly to the Prophet This is also Mu'allaq, because Mu'allaq means the break is at least one or more links from the collector of hadith, from the scholar who collected it, in this case, Al-Imam Malik. So this term is also applicable to Mu'allaq. Okay, these are the terms that we wanted to discuss this evening. Let me just summarize to you Mu'allaq means the break is in the beginning of the Isnaq from Al-Imam Malik or Bukhari or Muslim or whoever collected it in the books of Hadith from the beginning of the Isnaq The opposite is the break at the end Mursal The Tabi'i mentions the Prophet without saying who, is, who he heard it from Sahabi or whoever Okay, so these are two opposites In the beginning, it's Mu'allaq If it's in the end, it's Mursal If it's anywhere in between, it's Munqati'a and if it has two consecutive missing links, that's Mu'adal. Okay? This is the main thing. If it's in the beginning, call it Mu'allaq. If it's in the end, call it Mursal. If it's anywhere else, call it Munqati'a. And if it has two consecutive breaking links, breaks in the link, then this is Mu'adal. Actually, if you consider what I just said, the hadith, which is Mu'allaq, if the collector of hadith Delete his shaykh and the shaykh of his shaykh. Two consecutive breaks, that's also mu'adal. In this case, mu'adal and mu'allaq combined. It's, both of these terms are applicable. It is, from the perspective of two consecutive breaks in the link, it's called mu'adal. But from the perspective that the break is from the beginning, it's called mu'allaq. So here, they coincide. Okay? Unlike a isnad that has two consecutive breaks for example at the end that wouldn't be called mu'allaq but if it has two consecutive breaks at the end tabi'i deletes the tabi'i heard it from and deletes the sahaba who that tabi'i heard it from then this two consecutive breaks in the link is called mu'adal but it's also here in this case because it's at the end called mursal so Mursal is exclusive to the end of the Isnad after the Tabi'i and Mu'allaq is exclusive to the beginning where Mu'adal is applicable to any break where there are two consecutive breaks. Is it clear? All of this is terminology that is very technical and only after reading and reviewing will it become more and more clear and easy to follow. The benefit of it we have to look at the benefit in order to say, why learn all of this terminology? What are we confusing ourselves with all these definitions for? Because only by understanding this, this terminology, these technical terms, will we be able to understand what the scholars are talking about when they said this hadith is da'if, it's munqatiya. He said it's da'if, it's munqatiya. What does he mean, munqatiya? I don't know what is munqatiya. I just know it's da'if, but why I don't know. Now we can investigate. When he said Munqatiya, we said, oh, it means there are some breaks. There is a break, a missing link in the chain of narrators. And that's 
That is the reason for a hadith to be classified as da'if. Why? Because when there's a break, we don't know who reported it. And we can't accept a hadith as being authentic when somebody transmitted it to us and we don't know who he is. He could have a bad memory. Maybe he's a good Muslim, but he has a bad memory. Maybe he's a liar. Maybe he's a deviant from Ahl Bidah. And he wants to narrate some things from the Prophet to support his deviation. So if we don't know who he is, we cannot accept his hadith. That's why knowing what the scholars mean when they say munqati'a or mu'adal, it makes us to know the seriousness of the matter. If they say this hadith is mu'adal, oh, this is very serious. Not only it has a break, it has two breaks and consecutive breaks. So we begin to understand what they are talking about and we can begin to understand what's the judgment or ruling concerning such hadith. Here, Sheikh Suhaib mentions some examples of, these, of some of these types of hadith. He mentions an example of munqati'a hadith. The example he gives is Al-Hakim, reports from Muhammad ibn Mus'ab, who is a weak narrator, he is da'if. According to the biographies of the scholars, they said that Muhammad ibn Mus'ab is da'if. So if one narrator in the chain is da'if, even if the rest of them are good, the hadith is rejected, becomes a da'if hadith. So Al-Hakim reported from Muhammad ibn Mus'ab, with a good expression of transmission such as Akhbarni, or Haddathani, or Samirtu, from Al-Awza'i, Al-Imam Al-Awza'i, Rahimahullah, one of the great scholars of fiqh, who reported with a different type of uh, expression of transmission, which we see as a one unbroken line, which means he used an expression like an or n, who reported from Shaddad Abu Ammar, from Um Al-Fadl bint Al-Harith, who said, radiallahu anha, she said, I came to the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and said, I have seen a vision last night as if a part of your body was cut out and placed in my lap. She said to the Prophet I saw a vision as though a part of your body was cut out and placed in my lap. He said, the Messenger of Allah said, you have seen something good. Insha'Allah, Fatima, radiallahu anha, the daughter of the Prophet. She is a part of the Prophet. This is the meaning of the dream that she had. Fatima will give birth to a lad, a boy, who will be in your lap. This is the meaning of the dream. She said, I saw a dream as though a part of your body was cut out and placed in my lap. It means a part of the Prophet, his daughter, Fatima radiallahu anha, gave birth to a child and that child used to be given to that woman. She used to carry that child in her lap. Uh, after that, Fatima radiallahu anha gave birth to Al-Hussein radiallahu anhu, who used to be in my lap. Yani the narrator of the hadith uh, um Al-Fadl says, he used to be pla- who used to be placed in my lap in accordance with the statement of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. One day I came to the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and placed Al-Husayn in his lap. I noticed that both his eyes were shedding tears. He said, Jibril came to me and told me that my Ummah will kill this son of mine, Al-Husayn. And he brought me some of the reddish dust or dirt from that place where he will be killed. This hadith is not authentic. First, as I said, because Muhammad ibn Mus'ab is a weak narrator, and also because Shaddad Abu Ammar, who narrated the hadith An, with the term An from Umm al-Fadl bint al-Harith radiallahu anha, he didn't hear hadith from Umm al-Fadl. And it's known from his biography that he didn't hear any hadith from Umm al-Fadl radiallahu anha. So that means there's a link between him and her. There's a break 
and there's also a weak narrator. But here we are talking about the breaks in the chain. Al-Hakim said this is a Sahih Hadith according to the conditions of the two shaykhs that is Al-Bukhari and Muslim but they did not collect it. Remember we said that Al-Hakim's book Al-Mustadrak he said, he claims that these Hadith are all Sahih according to the conditions of Bukhari and Muslim but neither of them collected it in their Sahih. This is what the Mustadrak Al-Hakim contains. So Al-Hakim collected this Hadith he claimed it was according to the conditions of Al-Bukhari and Muslim but they did not collect it in their book. Al-Zahabi, Al-Imam Al-Zahabi rahimahullah says no, the hadith is munqati'ah. It's not sahih, as you claim, al-hakim, it's not like you say. It is munqati'ah and da'if because Shaddad never met Umm al-Fadl radiallahu anha and Muhammad ibn Musa. Musa is weak. So al-Zahabi, he also did some work with the mustadrak of al-hakim and he used to examine the hadith that al-hakim narrated and make a ruling. Was it really according to al-Bukhari Muslim or not? And here al-Zahabi, he didn't agree with al-Hakim. He said, no, it's not as you claim. The hadith is not sahih. It is da'if. It is munqati'ah. It has a break in the link. And also it has a narrator who is da'if. So this is also a benefit of the book of al-Imam al-Zahabi that he used to examine al-Hakim's judgments and sometimes agree with him and sometimes not agree with him. So we came to know that al-Hakim, he was somewhat mutasahil. Remember we said there was scholars of different levels. He was somewhat mutasahil. He used to يعني, attribute many hadith claiming that they were in accordance with Al-Bukhari Muslim and it was not so. In any case, there are many authentic hadith in the Mustadrak al-Hakim which really are in agreement with the condition of Al-Bukhari Muslim but not all of them. So this is an example as the Shaykh says of a hadith which has a break in the chain. It is munqati'ah because one of the narrators didn't hear hadith from the person who he claimed to report from. An example of a Mu'adal hadith, Mu'adal means there are two consecutive breaks. He says Ibn Abi Hatim narrates from Ja'far ibn Ahmed ibn al-Hakim al-Qurayshi in the year 254 from Sulaiman ibn Mansur ibn Amr from Ali ibn Asim. Here there is a single broken line An from Sa'id An Qatada from Ubay ibn Ka'ab radiallahu anhu who reported from the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi who said after Adam had tasted from the tree, he ran away. But the tree caught his hair and it was proclaimed. And this is being attributed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he said, O oh Adam, are you running away from me? He said, No, but I feel ashamed before you. Then he said, that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, O oh Adam, go away from my neighborhood. For by my honor, no one who disobeys me can live here near me. Even if I were to create people like you, numbering enough to fill the earth, and they were to disobey me, I would make them live in a home of sinners. This hadith also is weak. It is mu'adal. It is more weak than the previous one. Ibn Kathir, al-Hafiz ibn Kathir, uh, the great scholar of tafsir, in his book of tafsir, tafsir al-Quran al-Azim, remarks concerning this report, he said, this is a gharib hadith. This, there is انقطاع يعني انقطاع means there is a break in fact اعضاق it's not only انقطاع break but there is continue, continuous two at least two continuous missing links means it's معدل between Qatada and Ubay ibn Ka'ab رضي الله عنه so this is an example of معدل where there are at least two missing links from Qatada to Ubay ibn Ka'ab رضي الله عنه
Here the Shaykh begins to talk about Mursal Hadith. Okay, he talks about these other yani, uh, categories, the Mu'adal and Munqatiya uh, and Mu'allaq briefly. And the definitions are a little more detailed in the handout. But here he gives a long discussion about Mursal. Uh, in order to understand the Mursal Hadith, there are many factors related to it. The important thing, and the reason why he spends a lot of time talking about it, is because even though the Mursal Hadith has a break in the chain, and normally a Hadith that has a break in it, we say it's da'if, because we don't know who the person is. But the difference between the Mursal Hadith and other types of Hadith that have a break, is that the Mursal Hadith is the only one which has a great possibility of really being authentic. Because the missing link may be a Sahabi. And if the missing link is a Sahabi, there's no harm in the name of the Sahabi being missing. Because all of them are acceptable, reliable, trustworthy reporters. Okay? Any other break in the chain of narratives from any place other than after the Tabi'i, in all other places, will automatically declare it to be weak. But in this case of Mursal, because there's a great possibility it may only be a Sahabi who's missing, which means that the hadith could then possibly be Sahih, as long as the rest of the chain is correct and complete. In that case, the scholars differed about the Mursal. Some of them accepted it, and some of them rejected it, and some of them accepted it with conditions. Just a few moments after the Adhan, inshallah. Uh, just to close out, I want to uh, complete the Mursal Hadith. Uh, inshallah, in the next meeting, to read from the book the discussion of Sheikh Suhaib concerning Mursal Hadith. But just to close out, I'd like to refer to the handout and the discussion that we have concerning Mursal here, which uh, mentions the three opinions related to the definition of Mursal linguistically and technically. The three positions, the three main positions of the scholars, though there are many opinions concerning Mursal, the three main positions of the scholars concerning whether or not it's acceptable or not, and also the fact that there are two types of Mursal hadith. One is the normal Mursal, where the Tabi'i uh, reports directly from the Prophet ﷺ, and we don't know who he heard it from, whether it was a Sahabi only, or a Tabi'i and a Sahabi. And the other type of Mursal hadith is Mursal al-Sahaba or Mursal al-Sahabi. This is a Mursal hadith where a Sahabi is the one who narrates from the Prophet ﷺ. Not a Tabi, a Sahabi, but he is a Sahabi who didn't hear the hadith from the Prophet ﷺ. And he is a Sahabi, but he didn't hear hadith from the Prophet ﷺ due to the fact that he was a young child, or he became a Muslim in the end of the life of the Prophet ﷺ, or he became a Muslim and traveled from Medina, maybe he was sent to another land, or he came from another country like Yemen or something like that, and he went back to his land, and he didn't hear hadith from the Prophet for these various reasons. He is a Sahabi, but he heard hadith from other Sahabi, who heard from the Prophet This is called Mursal Sahabi. Yani, he narrates the hadith directly from the Prophet, though he didn't hear it from the Prophet So there's a missing link. Mursal Sahabi in general is considered by the majority of scholars to be Sahih. Because of the fact that it's rare that a Sahabi would narrate from others than a Sahabi. And if he had narrated from others than a Sahabi, he would have mentioned it. So as long as he narrates from a, another Sahabi, and all the Sahabi are acceptable, all the Sahaba are acceptable, in that case the Mursal Sahabi is considered to be Sahih. 
by the overwhelming majority of the scholars. That's for a Mursal Sahabi. As for the regular Mursal, where Tabi narrates from the Prophet this is the main discussion here. He says, or, or we wrote here, that Mursal linguistically means to set free or hurried. Technically, it means the Hadith whose narrator or narrators, plural, are missing. Yani either one reporter or more than one are missing at the end of the Isnad after the Tabi'i. For example, a Tabi'i says, Qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Okay? A Mursal Hadith is a Hadith whose narrator or more than one is missing at the end of the Isnad after the Tabi. It's ruling or hukum. There's difference of opinion about it. There are three opinions. The first opinion is that it is da'if, mardud, weak and rejected. And this is the opinion of majority of scholars of hadith, as well as many of the scholars of fiqh, jurisprudence, and many of the scholars of usul fiqh, the fundamentals of jurisprudence. The reason why they consider it da'if and mardud is due to ignorance of the status of the missing link who could very well be other than a sahabi. It could very well be other than a sahabi who the tabi heard from. For that reason, because we don't know who that person was, and it very likely could be other than a sahabi, for that reason we declared it to be, or the majority of scholars declared it to be weak and rejected. And this is the strongest opinion. The second opinion is the opinion of the majority of the imams, of the mazahib, who said that it is sahih, hujjah, it is authentic and it is a proof in the deen with the condition that the narrator who reports from the Prophet, the tabi who reports from the Prophet at the point of the missing link, that that tabi is thicker, is a good, reliable reporter, and that he is known not to leave out. It should be known not to leave out, not to leave out the person he reports from, except that the missing person is also thicker or reliable. Yani, they said that the hadith of a tabi'i who reports directly from the Prophet is sahih and it is a proof with this condition that the tabi'i himself is reliable and it is known that he never used to leave out someone. He never used to delete the person he heard it from except the person he heard it from was also reliable. If he was reliable and it's known that he never used to delete anybody except a reliable reporter, they said in that case we accept his hadith as being sahih. This is the opinion of the Imam Abu Hanifa, Malik, and the more well-known opinion of Ahmed, Rahimahumullah. They say that it is not possible that a reliable tabi'i could attribute something to the Prophet unless they heard it from a reliable source. The third opinion is that this mursal hadith is maqbool, it's acceptable if supported by other factors. And this is the opinion of Imam Shafi'i, Rahimahullah, and some other scholars. If it is supported by other factors. And those factors are either factors related to the narrator, the rawi, or factors related to the narration, the report, the marawi. Yani there are different factors that we may look at. And Imam al-Shafi'i says that if these factors are present to, to support that mursal hadith, then he accepts it as being maqbool, acceptable, or a legitimate hadith. The factors related to the narrator, the one who reports it, we should look at him and see. If he was one of the major tabi'een who only used to narrate from Sahaba, they didn't use to narrate from other tabi'een, okay, then we accept from him. When he identifies the missing link, it is a reliable person, and he used to delete someone, but if he ever used to later in another place say who the person he deleted was, if we found that it was always a reliable person, 
also we can accept from him. Because when he used to delete, he only used to delete reliable reporters. Or whenever the trusted memorizes for father of hadith share with him in reporting a hadith, they do not contradict what he reported. Yani whenever we find that he reported a hadith and he deleted some, some, someone, and other hufad of hadith, the great narrators of hadith, used to report that same hadith. And they didn't used to contradict him. But they used to narrate just as he narrated. Then that supports that he is, yani that what he narrated was acceptable. And Imam Shafi says in that case we can take from it. These are the factors related to the narrator. As for the factors related to the narration or that which is reported, the metin or the marwi, he said it should be the same yani, information, the same report or metin or marwi, should be reported through a different chain which is connected, which is musnad. Yani if a mursal hadith, the text of it, the metin, is reported by another chain, a completely different chain, but musnad, complete isnad. Even if some of the narratives are weak or whatever, but it has a complete isnad, then that supports the mursal hadith, and Imam Shafi said it's then acceptable. Or if it's reported through a completely different chain, though it's also broken, mursal, but a different broken chain, then together, he said, they support one another, and it becomes acceptable. Or, if what he reports is in agreement with the saying of a sahabi, yani a companion of the Prophet reported, that which is the same as what he reported in that mursal hadith, he said that supports it and becomes acceptable. Or, if what he was reported, most of the scholars of fiqh gave a fatwa or a legal ruling in accordance with the meaning of that mursal hadith. Yani they used to make fatwa, which was in accordance with what was reported by mursal hadith, he said that supports it. And if these factors are present, then these are supporting factors. And Imam Shafi said, in that case, we would accept the Mursal Hadith. So, then we all already talked about Mursal Sahabi, that the Mursal of the Sahaba, usually they only heard from another Sahaba, and if they heard from other than Sahabi, they used to identify it, or they used to mention it. Otherwise, uh, they would, their Hadith are from other Sahabi, and therefore they are acceptable. So, Hadith, Mursal Sahabi is accepted. As for the Mursal of the Tabi'i, this is what there is difference of opinion about. And the most, the strongest opinion is that Mursal of the Tabi'i, it has a missing link. We don't really know who it is. Therefore, the Hadith should be rejected. There are three opinions which we have mentioned here. The ruling, he said, the ruling concerning the Mursal uh, of Sahabi is that it's Sahih. As for the Mursal of the Tabi'i, there are three opinions. One of them is that it's outright rejected. One of them is that it's outright accepted. Uh, not outright, but accepted with two conditions, that the one who, the tabi who reports it is a thicker, reliable narrator, and he's known only to report from thicker, reliable reporters. The other third opinion is the opinion of a Shafi. He says that it's acceptable if there are supporting the yeah, proofs, such as that which is related to the reporter, or that which is related to that which he reports, as we mentioned here in the handout. So, this is yani, the end of the discussion related to Mursal. Inshallah, we'll read the comments of the Shaykh from the book in the next meeting, Bismillah Ta'ala. Uh, if there are any comments or questions or corrections before we leave, Inshallah, just take a few moments. Any comments or questions? In any case, review the book and review the handouts uh, so that yani, if there are some questions, we can discuss some of them in more detail. Also, uh, so uh, if there are no questions, then we can stop here. Um, just I encourage you to review the book and try to uh, yani discuss it amongst yourselves and uh, review the definitions. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika. Shalwan la ilaha illa anta. Astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayka.